everyone. I'm Debbie Gabara, and I'm the Gathering Pastors Assistant here at the River Church. Thanks for checking out one of our messages today. We would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way to do that is to text River Connect one word to 97,000, or you can visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and our upcoming events. If you'd like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can visit our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. through the last couple weeks, the greatest message ever preached. And it was not by me, just so you know. It was by Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, as you saw, uh, where Jesus came before uh, a crowd of people, his disciples, and he preached what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest message ever preached. Uh, We started walking through this last fall. We started with the Beatitudes. Uh, So if you get a chance, go online, check out the messages from last fall. Uh, to really get through the Beatitudes, we are starting after the Beatitudes, the last couple weeks. Uh, we've walked through some of Jesus' teachings where he takes very simple, practical things that are part of our life, that we use as humans every day, the aspects of salt and the aspect of light. Uh, even in this auditorium, if we shut all the lights off, they would be murmuring and grumbling. I can't see anything. And so he uses these very simple and practical things to teach us things about our lives that we are to exist in as disciples, as followers of Jesus. Using a couple of weeks ago the, the concept of salt uh, as a preservative that we as believers and followers of Christ are meant to be an element of preservation in this world. Teaching the gospel, the good news, the hope of salvation. We're supposed to bring flavor into this world. We're not supposed to be um, flavorless, in essence, right? We bring flavor to the world. Uh, And last week, we walked through the elements of light, what it means to be the light of the world. Uh, And today, we're going to continue in that with uh, Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5, 17, walking through, again, Jesus' teachings as he teaches us some very important things on the Sermon on the Mount. Let's pray, and then we'll read and just dive right into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, Lord. I just ask that you give me uh, clarity of speech, help me to walk through these passages as you intend them to be received. Lord, work in people's hearts uh, and do what I can't do. Just work in people's hearts and and, uh, show them your love, that you care for them, and that you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Let's get right into it. I do have a lot of texts to walk through. I know that might seem normal now, uh, but I, but I want to show you that there are going to be a lot of texts. Try to follow along. I'm going to try to stay in the book of Matthew, so you won't have to jump throughout most of the scripture. Just stay in Matthew. Uh, so we'll start in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Jesus says this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota and not a dot, 
Some passages might say a tittle, that's a, just a, a form of writing, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, as I was preparing this, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm actually going to start from the bottom of the passage and kind of build some context. Jesus' last statement there in verse 20, build some context about what he's talking about when he comes to the scribes and the Pharisees, and then we'll walk through the rest of the text. And I think by having this context about Jesus and his conversation about this, the Pharisees, that a righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees and the scribes in order for us to enter into the kingdom of heaven, the rest of the passage will be very clear in understanding what Jesus is articulating. So when we talk about, and this is one of the biggest, I believe, biggest misnomers of the scribes and the Pharisees, that is very common understanding. Most people think when they hear of scribes and Pharisees that these were men who adhered to and kept the Old Testament law of God. When you think of scribes and Pharisees, you go, oh yeah, those were the guys that kept that Old Testament law of God. The reality is that is not the case. I want to be very clear in what I'm saying. The scribes and the Pharisees did not keep the commandments of God. And I'm going to show you through the passages in Matthew, Jesus having this conversation and this dialogue over and over again with the Pharisees. And what he was trying to do was redirect them back to this very following of the law that the scribes and the Pharisees never did. So I want to walk you through some passages In Matthew, I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 7. What's important is is that when we talk about the law, the Pharisees did have a law in which they followed. They took elements from the first five books of the Bible, which is what is known as the commandments or the law of God or the law of Moses. They took portions of this and they ascribed their own interpretation of it. So if you go into Jewish uh, studying, you'll, you'll hear the word Torah. Torah is basically the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But what the Jews and the Pharisees and the scribes that Jesus worked with and were communicating with, they operated under something called the Talmud. And that, that is just basically historical writings of rabbis that took the Old Testament five books and ascribe meaning to it. In essence, they added commentary to it. Well, when they would re- research and study law, they would, they would say, well, what does this law mean? And if you've ever been in court, that's the whole point. There are two sides. The judge is to determine which side is the correct perception or use of the law. And that's why you have a defense. That's why you have a prosecution. Because they're arguing their point of view. And that point of view was recorded in a book called the Talmud. And what happened is, is these Pharisees and scribes began to deviate from the original law and started putting all of their baskets, if you will, or interpretation, if you will, in what is known as the Talmud. And this this direction caused them to deviate, and we're going to see this, 
from God's law and God's commandments. Starting in verse uh, chapter 16, I want to kind of lay a foundation of what exactly the Pharisees taught, what they believed, and how Jesus perceived them as teachers. Starting in verse 16, uh, or verse 5 of Matthew 16. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began discussing it amongst themselves, saying, we brought no bread. See, they were looking at it literally, but Jesus was warning his disciples about the teaching. And you see this later in in Matthew 16 and verses 11 through 12. How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Jesus is perplexed with his disciples. Like, guys, I'm not talking about actual bread. I'm talking about the teaching of the Pharisees. This word leaven is just this concept of yeast, and it's what makes, makes bread rise. It gets, infiltrates through all of the flour, and it's what causes bread to actually taste good, in my opinion. If you ask my daughter, she'll say that unleavened bread is great. She loves it. It's like flatbread. Uh, the point is here that as Jesus is walking through his conversation with the disciples, he's saying to them, beware or be careful of the teaching of the scribes and, the, and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see that there in verse 12. Then they understood that he wasn't actually talking about the physical bread, but that he was talking about the teachings of the Pharisees. And as we progress in Matthew, we come to Matthew 22. Matthew 22 and 23 begins really where we start to, to dissect Jesus' perception of what the Pharisees taught. So the Pharisees came to Jesus, Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they wanted to present Jesus with some questions. They were, in essence, challenging Jesus. And it starts in verse 15, where they said, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. What that really means is their motive, their drive, was to manipulate the words of Jesus in a way that they could defame him, prosecute him, and snare him. This is their motive. And as they engage in this conversation with Jesus, we're not going to go through the details of it. If you would like to read it later this week, I would challenge you to do it. They present Jesus with a question about paying taxes. They say, Jesus, are we supposed to pay taxes? Jesus, in his brilliant mind, says, give me a coin. And he says, whose face is on this coin? <laughs> and of course, it was Caesar. Uh, he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. They didn't have a response back for that. They're like, oh, okay. And then, and then after the Pharisees kind of, in essence, get put, put to the side and their question is answered and they have no rebuttal, the Sadducees come and they ask a question regarding death and what happens after death and the afterlife. And Jesus, in his brilliance, he, he addresses them. And listen to what he says in verse 29 of chapter 22. Jesus answers them, the Pharisees, and he says... You are point blank wrong. You are wrong. Why does he say they are wrong? Because you neither know the scripture nor the power of God. Understand what Jesus is saying to the scribes and to the Pharisees. These are the ones, and we'll read this in a little bit, that God had established as the ones in authority. The ones who should know the law of God. The ones who should know the scripture and be teaching it. 
In fact, the commandment in the Old Testament is that they would not only teach it and learn it themselves, but they would also teach it to foreigners and sojourners and help other nations understand the goodness of God in his law. They obviously failed to do that by the time Jesus entered the scene, as Jesus clearly directs the Sadducees that they don't even understand the law, nor do they understand the scripture. They don't even know it. And as he continues in verse 31 through 32, Jesus says this, as far as the resurrection, the question they present to Jesus, as far as the resurrection of the dead, you have not read what is said to you about God or what is said to you by God. God says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. These are all Old Testament patriarchs. And look at what he says after that. He says, God, he is not God of the dead, but of the living. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, God, after presenting the law and presenting his rules, he says to the people of Israel, I present before you life and death. Choose life. That's his desire, his hope. And what is key in as we walk through this, as we understand that last statement in Matthew chapter 5, hey, let your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. If we think that the scribes and the Pharisees, if we have this perception that they were in, in essence godly men that kept the Old Testament, we have a hard time processing what he's saying in verse 20. Because there was really only one and true person who kept the law of God. His name's Jesus, and we saw that at the beginning of Matthew 5 when he says, I didn't come to abolish it, I came to fulfill it. That means to execute it to its completion, to live it out wholly. And so as we walk through uh, this, this conversation Jesus has with the disciples, and you start to go, or with the Pharisees, and you go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 1, you see Jesus really start to hammer And dissect the teachings of the Pharisees. The reason I'm walking through this this teaching of the Pharisees is because it's easy for us to say, oh, well, that was them. That is not us. But the reality is, is we have to be very conscious of where we are. And if we are not, in fact, walking as the Pharisees and the scribes. We need to be very careful where we're at with it. So let's look at how Jesus really walks through. He says in verse 1, then Jesus said to the crowd... This is Matthew 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. In essence, they are in the position of biblical authority. They are the ones who should know what is being taught by God. Verse 3. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but do not practice. This is where the understanding of the Talmudic, legalistic, man-made rules comes into play. They were teaching not what God was commanding, but they were teaching their own man-made rules or laws or traditions. They turned their traditions, in essence, into their own laws, neglecting the very rules and commandments that God said to do. And as he continues, he lays this down. He says about what they do, what they have taught, what they are teaching. They tie up heavy, heavy burdens. They're hard to bear. 
They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move, move them with their fingers. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. This is their motive. This is their drive. Now, this is, you take that phrase, this, they're doing all that they do to be seen by others. And if you were with us last week and you look at the passage in Matthew 5 that talks about light, Jesus tells us to let our light shine so that others can see it. And you might look at this and go, well, Jesus, why are you so harsh on the Pharisees? In Matthew 5, just a couple verses before where we're at right now, you said to shine your light so others can see it. This seems confusing. It says, I'll just read it in verse 16 of Matthew 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Well, how, how can you condemn the Pharisees when you just told us to do this, Jesus? This seems really confusing. But look at what he says after he says your good works in Matthew 5.16. He says, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The contrast between the good works the Pharisees were doing and what they were showing people was not to glorify God. It was solely to glorify themselves. It was all about them and their own selfish desires, their own selfish greed, and their own selfish motivations. Had nothing to do with glorifying or giving glory to the Father. So when we talk about being seen, our works, what we do for the Lord... It can never be about us. It has to be all directed to, pointing to, and directing the glory, if you will, that may come from doing anything right, giving that to the Father. Look at how Jesus continues to, uh, you see this element of selfishness that's in the Pharisees' desire for being seen by others in Matthew 23. Verse 6, he says this, And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. And greetings in the marketplace, and they love being called rabbis by others. See, their glory is all focused on themselves. I get the best food in the house when I go to feasts. I'm the first in line, in essence. How many of you are, are familiar with kids? Usually when it's time to eat, I mean, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. Kids want to get the, the chicken wing, right, or the turkey leg, <laughs> right? That's the prized meat. In the, I think it is anyways. Maybe somebody else thinks white meat is better than dark meat, but that's okay, right? But that's the whole point. The Pharisees' whole focus was, I'm the first in line. I get the the choice food in the feast. I get the position of honor in the synagogues, and people look at me, and they, they, they glorify me, and they elevate me to this position where I am, I'm good stuff, man. Check me out. And Jesus, as he's talking about the light as we walked through last week, he's not asking us to glorify ourselves. He's not asking us to make it about us. But he wants us to point and direct everybody that sees anything good in us back to the Father who is in heaven. And so as we walk through and continue in in Matthew 23, we start to get to this place where Jesus harshly deals with, with the Pharisees, and there are these things called the woes to the Pharisees. And just before he walks through the woes of the Pharisees, I'm not going to read every single woe. I think I can pick a couple of those. Beware or, or cautionary statements that Jesus says to help us understand truly the righteousness of the Pharisees. And this is very profound to understand. In verse 
13, verse 12, before he goes into the woes, he says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This contrast, the contrast that Jesus is starting before he walks into these woes is, hey, listen, these Pharisees are all about themselves. They've exalted themselves. They're going to be humbled. And he's about to go through and humble them. And so he's telling us when we walk through as the church, when we want to do good works or we want people to see our good works, we better make sure we're pointing to the Father and not ourselves. So let's look at these woes, starting in verse, verse 17, uh, 13. Matthew 23, verse 13. Like I said, I'm just going to pick a few. This is the element of they did not know the scriptures. They don't know the Messiah. Verse 13 but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Look at what he says about them. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Listen to what Jesus just said about the men who were supposed to understand the law of God, the love of God. He says, you are like a hindrance. You're not going to the kingdom of heaven, nor is anybody, you're not letting people into the kingdom of heaven. You're the one that's supposed to be directing them to the kingdom of heaven, the Messiah, the person of Jesus. But you're a gateway, you're a hindrance. That's their teaching. Their teaching is causing a hindrance to who Jesus is. In the church today, in the next verses, in verse 23 of Matthew 23, there is this element that the Pharisees lived then, and I feel we live even into this day. I call it salad bar Christianity. If you go to a salad bar, you get to pick what you like, and you dis- discard the things you don't like, right? This, this is salad bar Christianity. The Pharisees were no different. They went through the law, they picked the parts they liked, And they disregarded the parts they didn't like or were inconvenient or harder to walk through. And they created their traditions around so they didn't have to walk in those commandments. Jesus in verse 23 of Matthew 23 says this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin. I didn't realize that was any, I don't know if those are things you put in a salad or not, but that would be really funny if they were. Nice application. Salad bar Christianity. They like to put their their cumin in there. They like to put their uh, dill and their mint. But look at what Jesus says. You have neglected the weightier matters of the law. You have neglected justice. You have neglected mercy and faithfulness. This is what Jesus condemns them for. Their teaching was all about the convenience and the easier and the, the fun, maybe the, the easier things to walk in and they neglected the, the weightier matters of the law, this matter of justice, what is right and wrong. You can't execute justice if you don't even know what right or wrong is. You can't execute mercy without understanding what is right or wrong. I love how he puts this word faithfulness, this idea of being committed, true, loyal. This is what he is condemning the the Pharisees, the scribes, the one in authority, the one who should know the difference. He say, you have neglected 
This is when Jesus, and you see in the scripture, him talking about the people of Israel, calling them an adulterous people. They are faithless, faithfulless. I I don't know if I'm saying that right. (laughs) They commit adultery against God and they walk away and they choose other things to worship and honor and glorify instead of God himself. And as you see Jesus in this passage in Matthew 23, he says, you ought to have done, these you ought to have done, the weightier matters you ought to have done. And he says, without neglecting the lesser. You should have in essence done both. And he's condemning them because their teaching has gone towards uh, neglecting from the things of God. As you continue in Matthew 23, verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of your cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. This is the behavior of the Pharisees. I'm going back, and I know I might be belaboring this point, back to Matthew chapter 5. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Understanding that the scribes and the Pharisees had nothing to do with keeping the law of God. They, they neglected it. They didn't even know it. And as you will soon see, Jesus gets harsher and harsher as he walks through these woes against the Pharisees. Verse 27 of that passage. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. You're dirty. You're filthy. You're wretched. That's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. Now, if you you can't start to see what the picture is here, and I'm not trying to be offensive, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but before we know Christ, we are the Pharisees. Hear what I just said. Before we know the person of Jesus Christ, we are The Pharisees. We don't know the law. We don't know the commandments of Jesus. We don't even know who Jesus is. We walk in our own self-indulgence, our own greed. We walk as though we walk in righteousness, but inwardly we are, as Paul puts it, filthy rags. As we continue, and I want you to see this because this is where it gets even harsher. In verse 29 through 31 of the woes to the Pharisees, Jesus says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in those days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. They murdered the prophets. The Israelites, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees were all involved in murdering the prophets of the Old Testament. And Jesus says, thus you witness against yourself that you are indeed sons of those who murdered the prophets. Jesus sits here and says, you murdered the people I sent to teach you the things that you should know. And as he continues in this passage in verse 32, he says this, Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? How are you to escape it? Understand, he's talking to the religious people here. 
He's talking to the people that should know the word of God, that should know and understand the commandments of the Lord. And he's saying, how are you going to escape hell? Listen to what he continues to say in verse 34. Therefore I send you prophets and wise men, scribes, some of you who will kill and crucify, and some of you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth. From the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Baruchiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. In the very temple of God, in the very house of God, they committed a murder. Jesus condemns them and says, this is what you believe is your righteousness. You're a murderer, you're liars, you're deceitful, you're you're manipulative, you're self-serving. Man, those are harsh things. Those are super harsh things. As I look at Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees and scribes, there's one passage that is probably the most damning statements that Jesus makes to the Pharisees. It's in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 39 through 47. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Jewish people, the religious people, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children... You would not be doing the works of Abraham that Abraham you would be doing the works that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill who? Me. The very son of God. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, and look, listen to their piety, if you will. We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. What are, the, what are they doing? We were not born of sexual immorality. They took a little jab at Jesus. The fact that he was born of a virgin. The rumor was that Mary was adulterous and had committed uh, fornication outside of the marriage. And, and Jesus was, in essence, a bastard child. See, this just goes to show you that they did not know the Old Testament Uh, prophecy or commandment of the prophets that Jesus would be born of a virgin. They didn't understand their scripture. They didn't know it. They didn't even teach it. And here, they take this jab at Jesus, this personal, in essence, insult towards Jesus. And look at how Jesus responds. He says this in verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father... See, they're they're mocking Jesus, the fact that he speaks the truth from the Father, from God. They mock him. And then Jesus turns around and says, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Why do you not understand what I say? See, the struggle Jesus is having, he is desperately, if we know the character and person of Jesus, we know that Jesus desires that these Pharisees would come to know him. He desires it. That's in his nature and his character. And then he continues and says, you, in verse 44, I'm sorry, verse 43, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. My word. 
Verse 44, you are your father, you are of your father, the devil. You will, your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. It's the character of the devil. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? They, they didn't know the law. They couldn't convict Jesus of the law. And the reason he couldn't is because Jesus kept the law. As we go back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill it, to live it out perfectly. When John the Baptist presents Jesus when he comes to be baptized, he says, Behold the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, the Son of God, the one to take away the sins of the world. This is speaking of Jesus, the perfect, spotless, unblemished Lamb of God. If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. You hear what Jesus is saying when he's talking to the... That's one of the harshest, most condemning passage that I find of Jesus when he talks with the Pharisees and the scribes. He's saying, you're not from God. You don't know the word of God. You've created your salad bar religion, picking the things you like and ignoring the things you don't like. So as we walk through Matthew chapter 5, I have so much more I could talk to you about. As we walk through Matthew chapter 5, looking at Matthew uh, verses 17, 18. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law. He says, for truly I say to you, in verse 18, for truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not an iota. Not a dot, not a single aspect of the law will be gone. Not a dot, not an iota. Those are Greek words that describe their writing. In English, it would be the equivalent of the bottom line on the E in comparison to an F. Not a dot, not an iota. The iota, or, or some translations use the word a tittle, which is the same word as the dot, is the equivalent of the letter E versus F. You can't change the meaning of the law, not even in the smallest portions. Because Jesus, this is, I want you to see this because this is so profound as we start walking through this in the coming weeks. Jesus is opposing himself from the teachings of the Pharisees. When he says in Matthew 20 or 5.20, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees and the scribes. Understand the Pharisees and the scribes never kept the commandment of God. There's only one person who has walked from birth till death, who has fulfilled the law of God. Only one person, and that is Jesus. And this is the person that the Old Testament describes as our Messiah. The word is Christ in Greek. So when we understand who Jesus is, that he is the light of the world, he is the word of God, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. This is talking about Jesus. 
Jesus is the light. Jesus is the word. In fact, in Revelation, his very name given to him is the word of God. Jesus is opposing himself from the teachings of the Pharisees. And he's saying, I have lived it. I have fulfilled it. I'm not sitting here like the Pharisees who would ignore certain commandments and pick the ones they liked. I'm not here to abolish the law. I lived it. I have that authority. I have the right to tell you what is right and wrong because I lived it. And when we look at this this contrast between the person of Jesus and the Pharisees, the attorneys, if you will, we see, I'm going to read this real quick because I, I got to wrap it up real quick, I know. Uh, we, we see this, this passage of Jesus engaging with an attorney. The question that the attorney comes to, attorney is, is the Pharisee. The question that the attorney comes to Jesus with is this. He asks, what are the greatest commandments that I should keep? What are the greatest commandments that, that I should walk in? Jesus' response is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon this, all the law and the prophet hang. And so here, Jesus is opposing himself from the teachings of the Pharisees. He's saying your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. Guess who didn't love their Lord, didn't love their God? The Pharisees. Guess who didn't love their neighbor as themselves? The Pharisees. It's very important that we separate this idea that the Pharisees walked in accordance to God's law. They did not. They made up their own religion. They had their own set of standards. They had their own law that they elevated above that of God's. The person of Jesus we know the story they were, in fact, as they, though they claimed to not be like their fathers to kill the prophets, we know that these Pharisees did so much more. They killed the very Son of God. When I go back and I talk about us being Pharisees, us being without this understanding, it really comes down to us knowing who the person of Jesus is. This is the gospel message again. Jesus is constantly articulating and bringing us to understanding the difference between religion and relationship. And he absolutely condemns religion. This man-made, self-made, your own way of thinking that's full of greed and self-indulgence and lies. Jesus is completely against that. And he's all about relationship. Know who I am. I'm the one that fulfilled the law. I am your Messiah. I am your hope. Without me, you don't even begin to understand what is right and wrong. It's basically what Jesus is saying as he walks through these conversations. The law, the commandment to love God and how to love God. They're written. We know them as the Ten Commandments. You can take five of those commandments and say, this is how God says to love the Father. You can take the other five commandments and you can see how, how it is written for us to, to not, or how to love our neighbor, I should say. Don't commit theft. Don't steal from your neighbor. 
Don't commit adultery. Don't commit murder. And Jesus is going to expound this in the coming weeks, how these things apply to us. And it's not just a religious action, but it's a matter of our heart. Where is our heart? Is our heart solely on Jesus and his righteousness and understanding what he did for us? Or are we trying to pretend like the Pharisees, like we got it together, our own righteousness, we're good? And so the challenge today is simply put to this. I know I've gone a little bit longer than normal. Uh, It's really simply this, know who Jesus is. Know who Jesus is. Paul says this about Jesus and and really in, in walking through the understanding that the Pharisees had, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. In essence, he was the best lawyer you could ever get if you needed a lawyer when it came to legal matters of the Jewish religion. In Romans chapter 10, verse 3, he says this, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God, he's speaking of the Pharisees, and seeking to establish their own, they did not, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Jumping to verse 13 of Romans 10, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, the gospel. He says, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, the Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. What is Paul saying? To the church, he's saying, you are sent to go share the good news of the person of Jesus Christ. The light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. Here Jesus is proclaiming his authority. I am the one who fulfilled it. You want to be more righteous than the Pharisees. Never break the law of God. The Pharisees constantly broke the law of God. They didn't follow in the teachings of the word. Know the gospel, know the word, know the Bible, know the scripture. Without it, we get lost. Just as that example that Jesus started last week. You're the light of the world. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, teaching me where to go and how to walk. We disregard that, like the Pharisees. We choose to neglect the word of God. and We choose to create our own path, our own salad bar, if you were, where we get to pick what we like, and we disregard the things we don't like about the scripture. We walk in likeness of the Pharisees. We have to be careful of that. We can find ourselves walking in a path made fully and solely of men's traditions. Neglecting the weightier matters of the gospel, like justice, like mercy, like faithfulness. And can I just, I'm just going to say this because I think this is super important. Justice would be me burning in hell. Listen to what I said. Justice fully executed upon me would me burning in hell. Because I have sinned against a holy God. Thank the Lord for mercy. 
thank the Lord for mercy. Because without Jesus, I have no other option. I have no mercy. Jesus is that very message of mercy. The one who came to take my sins, to be the substitution for my sins. And you know what else is great about the weightier matters of the law? Faithfulness. As faithlessness as I might be, the person who is constantly over and over and over again, who is faithful regardless of my shortcomings, is the person of Jesus, is is God himself. These are the weightier matters of the law. These are what this passage is pointing us to. Don't be like the Pharisees. Your righteousness has to exceed their righteousness. Recognize who is Jesus. Recognize what he has done for you. There's not a single person in here. I'm not trying to condemn anybody or make anybody feel guilty or bad. But there's not a single person in here that has the right to stand before Almighty God and say, hey, I deserve to be with you. The only reason we get an opportunity to dwell with God, to be in the presence of the Lord, is because of the work of Jesus Christ and what he fulfilled and what he did through the cross, through the shedding of his blood. I hope today, as we walk through this passage in Matthew chapter 5, and we will continue to walk through in Matthew, that you will see the amazing goodness and love of Jesus Christ, what he did for each and every one of us. Walking through the law is sometimes confusing and sometimes very difficult for us to wrap our heads around because, quite frankly, there's a lot about the law we really just don't know. But as you start digging into the law, you'll start to see that the law and Jesus are directly in sync. They're not opposed to each other. In fact, they affirm the person of Jesus Christ because when you look at the law as the behavior of God, the character of God, And you see Jesus able to walk completely in it. You see that Jesus mimics the behavior of God and the character of God. The only way anybody can do that is by fulfilling every aspect of it. We don't have the character of God or the behavior of God mastered. This is why we all fall short of the glory of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Actually, we'll we'll, we'll have worship come up in sing and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, man, Lord, thank you so much for for your goodness. Lord, thank you for fulfilling the law. Thank you for accomplishing the law, bringing it all the way through every aspect of it. Lord, you you didn't set aside the parts that were hard like the cross. You walked all the way through it. You humbled yourself, Lord, for me and for every single person in this room so that we could have a chance to dwell and be close to the Father, to be with you. Lord, thank you for fulfilling the law. Thank you for accomplishing it. Lord, help us to understand how to apply this text and walk through it in accordance to your word. Help us to dig and be hungry and search your word and apply it to our lives. Lord, help us not be like the Pharisees. Help us not be like those who who lie, who steal, who are greedy. Lord, help us to, to walk in accordance to your word. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.